Warning. This show is intended for a mature audience only and may contain harsh language, trans fats, live nudes, and derogatory comments about your mother. Those who are easily offended or have no sense of humor are encouraged to turn off the show now. Parental discretion is advised. My enemies are many. My equals are none. They fear me like a force of nature, a dealer in thunder and death. I say, I am Emperor. Praise the Emperor. I am Emperor. I am Emperor. You're listening to the Emperor and the Emperor's Court. It's a celebration of mediocrity. All this energy calling me. Shores Lake here to the banks of the Cuyahoga Live from the world here in Cleveland, Ohio, USA. This is the Emperor's Court here on AlphaGeekRadio.com. I am your host, the Emperor, joined in studio by no one. And come to think of it, this is actually recorded, not live. Well, live for me, recorded for you. As we continue to record our Emperor's Court shows that airs uh, normally aired on Sunday nights live uh, for the foreseeable future until my schedule allows that to happen. Um, there has been some updates, uh, regarding some hosts of the show, uh, primarily Lulu's actually going and making dinner at the moment for everybody else. So she's not down here doing this. Uh, Hawkeye recently got himself a job. So we're hoping to finagle him back into the studio here in the, uh, near future, hopefully the next few weeks, if able to. At any rate, I do have topics of discussion to get with you today, things to talk about. Uh, I hope everybody had a good Easter. Mine was exceptionally busy, as you might imagine. Uh, the weather was good. The prince had fun. He had two different egg hunts, one in the house, one outside the house. And it's kind of funny because he was running around outside about 7.30 in the morning collecting eggs in the front yard, and there is nobody outside in the neighborhood. And it was nice. It was, you know, low 60s. Uh, the grass was dry for the most part. Perfect weather. <clears throat> and there's a couple people walking dogs, you know, in the morning, and he'd yell at them, hey, I'm on an egg hunt. And they would kind of wave back, and he would say, are, are you hunting eggs? And the one lady walking her dog said, no, I'm walking my dog. He's like, okay. And he went back to hiding, to finding eggs. So he had a blast, and, and every time he enjoys it, that just makes it that much more fun for me. So Easter was great. Um, went to church, did all that. And uh, it was a good holiday. It was a lot of fun. Uh, the rest of the week was rough. Uh, work and, and, and house-related things. We're getting ready here. The weather's now finally breaking, and we're trying to put the yard back together and put it in order after a long winter of doing nothing with it for the most part. Uh, the Cavaliers won today. Actually, about half an hour ago, 45 minutes ago, 
They swept the Indiana Pacers in the first round of the NBA playoffs. So they are on their way to waiting. Actually, they're going to wait a whole week. They're not going to play again until a week from this Monday. So eight days from now before they play, they start round two. So a good, nice rest. The Indians have been on a tear. Uh, They're probably going to lose today, but they've won like seven or eight in a row. So they're right back up at first place in their division, as they should be. I'm looking at the news has been actually coming in fast and furious since last night uh, regarding the French elections, which were this weekend. Now, normally I wouldn't give a flying shit about the French. However, it is seen as a bellwether for the rest of Europe as to how this does Um, to see if the populist slash conservative movement continues, which is kind of an oxymoron to a lot of people, because when they think of populist, they think of liberal and Democrat and things like that. And that has not been the case. The populist movement this time around is conservative. And the question is, with the recent terror attack in Paris just a few days ago, if that would have any kind of impact on the election. Now, Marie Le Pen, who's uh, in charge of their their extreme right wing or what they consider the extreme right wing, wanting to know if, you know, that is somehow going to supplant and take over the uh, French prime minister. Now, in, in Parliament, this is a runoff. They do it a little differently than we do it here in the States. And the top two vote-getters will then advance to a face-off, I think, next month in May. So it looks like she is in. And the conventional wisdom at, with the exit polls was that she was probably going to take second place to McCon, McCone, Macon, whatever, who is a more a much more liberal guy. He's a kind of like a socialist, but apparently she won. She took first place, at least by the way they're counting now. And of course, this is quote sending shockwaves around Europe. What is concerning is that she was concerning for Europe is that she is in charge of a Frexit idea, meaning that she is all for France leaving the European Union and ditching the euro. So I don't know. We'll see. Um, There's still going to be a runoff. Most people think she's just going to get crushed when it comes to the uh, the runoff between the two of them. In fact, right there, there are some uh, people in some kind of Le Pen party where everybody's waving flags and other ones that say make France great again, which I think is kind of funny. But apparently Barack Obama endorses the other guy. So take that for what it's worth. Mm. I don't really keep up that much on French politics. I just think this would be something interesting to see the most liberal country in Europe now doing a complete 180 and heading in the opposite direction. Certainly possible. Would be surprised. (laughs) I've actually been watching uh, the Cleveland Twitter has been uh, getting trolled for the most part by, I don't know, some fuckstick from Indiana who's a, a local radio host on their sports network. Their sports network, by the way, who has a point one rating in the Arbitron ratings. To give you an idea, ladies and gentlemen, and this is no exaggeration. This is the God's honest truth. The show that you are listening to right now, the voice, mine, that you're listening to reaches more people than this guy's. So keep that in mind. (laughs) Anyway, he's been bagging on Cleveland. Not really the Cavaliers so much. Primarily the city of Cleveland, which was a cool punching bag back in the 80s and 70s for people to take shots at. 
Not so much anymore. But the one thing that you've learned if you are in sports and at any time playing against Cleveland, as Golden State and the Chicago Cubs fans came to learn, is you do not simply troll Cleveland Twitter and get away with it. They are particularly funny and particularly vicious. Be advised. I'm looking at baseball gloves. Yeah, it's an addiction, I know. I know. Selling for a teammate. Pro 207 6HT 12 and a quarter inch for sale. Couch catch only. An extremely light coat of conditioner applied to palm and web. 275 shipped. Friends and family or add the fees. I'm not really sure why this would be a $275 glove since you can buy most hard of the hides for $250. Um, looking to see if this is maybe a custom. Don't know. Very strange. There are no restrictions. Hang on. On what someone lists at. By the time he pays for priority shipping, look at 9265, and they were 230 pre order. I think being $35 on a sold out glove is that in demand is anything notable. All right, so it is. So he is asking for far more than what it sold for originally. I don't know that I would pay. I'm never going to pay over what something is worth. If it's sold new for $250, at most, that's what you're going to get from me. But let's be honest, I don't pay anything retail. So fuck that. If you if you listen to the show for more than you know five episodes, you are already aware of that. In fact, since this is the internet, let's take a look at my fantasy team. Whoa, have I taken a beating today? Evan Longoria, the perennial all-star third baseman for the Tampa Bay Rays, gave me nothing. Edwin Encarnacion, the big, huge free agent signing to Cleveland in the offseason, gave me nothing. One point. One fucking point. Francisco Lindor, who may be in the Hall of Fame when his career is all said and done. Seven points. Not bad. Well done. Got a run, a base hit, and a home run. Jose Ramirez, the Cleveland Indians third baseman, occasionally second baseman. One point. One goddamn point. Roger Davis isn't even playing today. Jason Wirtz sucks. Pitching. How'd I do? I got two saves. One save. One save. One save. Let's see. Mike Leak might get me a win, so that'll be points. Danny Salazar, who I started for in the Indians, got mollywomp today, so pfft, he's not going to get shit. So he's nothing. Well done, asshole. I don't think Danny Salazar's got me a win yet this season. Him and Tomlin I took. I took Kluber, too, but Kluber actually wins. Goddamn. Oh, well. So this past weekend, yesterday and a little bit today, uh, I have been beta testing the Dawn of War 3, uh, which is coming out, I believe, April 27th by Relic Games and Sega, because Sega has, well, looks like most of the rights to Warhammer 40K games, certainly Warhammer, period. Um. It's been in a open beta, a limited open beta. I know that kind of an oxymoron. Trust me when I say that's kind of how it was. Um, and it's been playing for, it started Friday and we'll go until 10 o'clock tomorrow morning, Monday morning. I like it. 
there are things I like a lot about it. There's things I don't care for it at all. Um, it's supposed to be, it's kind of like a throwback, um, really to the original Dawn of War, Dawn of War 1, if you play that, because 2 was a lot different, and then everybody really gravitated towards it. Uh, the first one and its three expansions was really was a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. I played the hell out of it. Uh, third, three has some issues. I don't know if I will buy it necessarily right on the 27th. I'm not going to pre-order it. I think I'm going to wait for it to drop uh, first and then probably buy it when it uh, discounts a little bit. The reason why is the tutorials leave a lot to be desired as to how to play it. It's not as, as intuitive as you might think. All right, you can pick up the original Dawn of War 1 and pretty much figure out in relatively short order what you're doing. And Dawn of War 3, the build orders for your various units isn't you know very well explained. That and you can set what kind of elite units you want prior to the match. And it looks like you can take at least three infantry units in with you. All right, so usually like a hero. Um, I've been using Terminators, uh, Terminator uh, uh, Squad as my infantry. And then your third one you can get... You know, uh, a high tier elite. Now, I've been bring, I've been taking the uh, Imperial Knight. Now, what this is, it's a giant, like forty foot tall, almost like one of the Titan War Machines, almost like a Titan, but it's it's not. It's not actually a Titan. It's an Imperial Knight, and that's kind of the thing is you get these huge giant machines, uh, these siege machines that you can you know walk around and, and kick ass with. They don't seem particularly powerful. In fact. Uh, I had two or three squads of Terminators that were LAS cannon. They were anti-vehicle. And they took down enemy uh, Imperial Knight pretty quickly. If these things are supposed to be endgame, top-tier, devastating, kick-ass units, they leave a lot to be desired. And I don't know that you necessarily want it to be that, you know, big of a change, that big of a, you know, that strong of a unit. But again, if this is supposed to be a game-changing, altering kind of unit, it certainly doesn't, at least in the the seven or eight games that I played, does not seem that way. Um, it does have the ability to go ahead and uh, customize whatever your uh, faction looks like. You know, it's got the Army Painter, which is, uh, again, you know, kind of an homage to the actual game, the tabletop, where you paint your soldiers, you paint your units. Uh, it's more streamlined than the original, which I don't care for. In the original one, I like being able to kind of uh, deal with the the lightness, you know, either the lighter, the, you know, the brightening it or darkening the colors, you know, switching it up on the color wheel. This one basically has, you know, hey, Blood Angels Red or Blood Ravens Red or, you know, it'll give you a, a name like uh, um, Blood for the Blood God Red. And you just pick that circle and it just... You know, it paints your, your, you know, your character red, whatever that color is. So it doesn't quite give you the ability to look around and, and kind of futz with that. It just has a color wheel of like 30 different ones that you can just kind of pick. So, I mean, there's that. It's still cool. I like the ability to go ahead and change my stuff around. Um, the intro to the game is kind of cool. But again, this is the um, the cinematics. I'm not sure really how much it has to do with the game. Keep in mind, the, the beta is only multiplayer. All right? Um, it, it, it does not have a... Um, it does not have the single player in there, which is pretty common these days if you think about it. Because they don't want you to, to ruin it. Because if you play in the beta and you play the entire um, uh, custom, 
Okay. I mean, if you play the entire single player in the open beta, what's the point of playing the game or buying it? You've already gotten most of the storyline. And I know there's sometimes a game will be released and they'll only let you play through like the first campaign or the first scenario or whatever, just give you a taste of it. And that's fine. I don't mind. You know, they, I think they did that with um, uh, uh, Battlefleet Gothic Armada. And I don't have a problem with them limiting the single player. In fact, I'd probably do it myself. Uh, right now, the factions you're able to play are the Space Marines, the Eldar, and the Orcs. My guess is the other ones will come down the road, either with a release or with expansions uh, DLC. So I'm looking at it multiplayer, then there's Elites, view your Elites collection, uh, the Space Marines, and then it gives you, you know, again, these three to go ahead and choose from. What bugs me is in that other people I've seen this have the ability, and it maybe I'm able to go ahead and look, but you can also pick out um, uh, Elite stuff for your, uh, like, for instance, if for infantry, there's one called Overwatch, all right? Scott Sniper set watch in a circle around a target position. You can pick that. Or Slow Death. The Tactical Marine fl- uh, Marine's Flamer ability slows infantry and immobilizes vehicles. Okay, that's kind of a cool thing. Then for structures, Blessed of the Amnesia. Production structures and listening posts heal you and your ally vehicles in a circle. Or you can choose Improved Listing Post, which uh, you build, have increased health, and do bonus damage. So that's an option. Um, act a blade of armor for your predators, or you've got invigorating slam for your dreadnoughts. Dreadnoughts are kind of cool. They're fun. I like them. Uh, getting vehicles in the game, and that's the other thing too, and I think part of it is that I simply haven't figured out the proper build order yet. You know, and so far the elites that you can get if you're playing Space Marine are Gabriel Angelos. All right. He's the chapter master of the Blood Ravens, who are the, the titular characters of the game. Uh, your second one are assault, that you have are Assault Terminators, okay? You have, and there's two different skins you can choose from. The third one is you have a Imperial Knight, which is the one I mentioned, or you can get the Dark Queen, which is free with pre-orders. And I think for the most part, their abilities are about the same. It just looks a lot cooler. And it's I can see where people would think that this is actually a, a Titan as opposed to, you know, an Imperial Knight, which is... Basically just giant powered armor is essentially what it is. That's really the big difference between the two. It also doesn't seem to be as fast-paced as I'm normally used to. Um, Again, I've only played about six games, um, so it's not like I've spent a huge amount of time in there. Uh, there are parts of the game that obviously have not been released yet uh, for obvious reasons and probably won't be, obviously, that the game is ready to go on the 27th. It's just, it's not something that really... It looks enough like a solid game. Now, for $45, it's certainly affordable. It's not coming out at $60, so there's that. You know, if you're going to buy it... If you're going to go ahead and buy it, make sure that you take full advantage of Steam's ability to go ahead and uh, refund it after two hours if you don't like it. Just keep it in mind. Not saying you should buy it with the sole intention of returning it. I'm simply saying, is if is that as an option? Make sure to take full advantage of it. If so, I'm probably going to play a little bit more tonight if I get the chance. 
Obviously, tomorrow morning I won't because I'll be working. And I probably get to play a lot less going into the future here as I'm looking at the forecast. 70 tomorrow, 75 Tuesday, 80 on Wednesday. Yeah! Could be outside doing shit. I don't remember the last time we had consistent 70s and 80s in April. Hell, last year it snowed in May. So there is that. The Clevelandians fall 6-2 to two today. More's the pity. I did get that win from Mike Leake. Uh, St. Louis beat Milwaukee, so I got points on that. Oh, I got a save from Tom Watson and the Pittsburgh Pirates. I may get something from Matt Bush a little later on today. It's only in the seventh inning, and they're winning four to two. I'm glad I picked him up, though, because now he's supposedly the new closer of Texas. I did have the original closer, and he just blew donkey schlong. So I dropped him, and I grabbed the next guy in line. When it comes to playing fantasy anything, fantasy sports, baseball, football, basketball, whatever, you really win or lose based on your waiver moves. Not so much on your trades. And obviously you have to have a pretty solid draft, but most everybody does. Even if you don't know what you're doing and you're simply going off going off of what happened in previous seasons. You know, like uh, somebody's stat line for 2016 and 2015. You can pretty much get a relatively good idea of who to draft in the first, you know, 10 rounds, 12 rounds when it comes to baseball. How you really make up the points is guessing who's going to get hot and when. Or knowing if somebody's being taken out of the lineup or somebody's being sent down or somebody sucks, knowing who their replacement is going to be, that's where you make up the points that separates first from last place. I've done a pretty good job with that pretty much since I started playing fantasy sports. I have played a little bit of fantasy football. Not a fan. Um, I'm a, I, I like fantasy baseball. Fantasy football, there's nothing to do. You set your lineup once a week, and then you sit there and you wait for something to happen at the end of the week. That's boring. That's boring. And all these people pour all this time and effort into it. It just isn't there. It just isn't worth it. Now, baseball, you have to make lineup changes every single day. You have to be involved. Because if you don't, if you miss a day, if you don't start your pitcher when you're supposed to, and he goes and wins, you lost all those points, and you don't get a chance to get them back. So you have to pay attention. That's what I like about baseball. There's a lot more factors that goes into it. There's a lot more thought that goes into it. There's a lot more important moves that go into it. I've also been kind of working on my mage uh, in World of Warcraft since my hunter hit 60. And I never really had much of an intention of making him a raid hunter. I don't really have the time or the interest to really work him up to getting, you know, best in slot gear for him. If this was, you know, Blizzard run and owned and I knew it was going to be there tomorrow or a month from now, then I probably pay a little more attention to that. But because it is a private server, I'm not going to you know worry over much about whether or not I get him into best slot and get ready for a molten core raid. There are a few horde guilds that are doing molten core in Anixia. 
And at some point, I probably will go ahead and get him ready for it. Well, my concentration has always been on the mage. I did the hunter first because I used that pretty much to fund my mage. And it's worked out really well. I've got top-tier gear for him. I've already got the money for my uh, uh, mount, for my level 40 mount. I've made a shitload of money selling because I got my mage at level 21. was already at 300 tailoring. I met Grandmaster Taylor. He just hit Grandmaster Skinner. So I'm making money off leather. I'm making money off of bags and clothing. So money is not hard to come by. It's just I had to kind of do that first with the hunter, lay the groundwork. And that's where all the hard, you know, the hard stuff came was with the hunter. Now that that's done. What is this? Close to 53. BRD runs. Sounds about right. This is Tabor asking me if I'm doing uh, Black Rock Depths, which, by the way, I hate. One of my least favorite instances is Black Rock Depths. I despise it. It's long, it's boring, it's easy to wipe, especially if your team isn't paying attention, which happens an awful lot. <sighs> See, I'm tired. The weekends really are for me catching up on sleep these days, I've noticed. And that's kind of been the case the last few months. But yeah, the biggest things right now in video game news that I have that I have been paying attention to, obviously, is the uh, Dawn of War three beta, which is going on. Um, my the Prince Imperial is really gunning for Nintendo Switch, mainly because he keeps seeing all the advertisements on television and believes that he needs this, despite the fact that I told him he does not. Mm-hmm. Um. There is one that I've been that I came across a couple days ago, and it's we've talked about this many times before, and and, and uh, both when we've had a panel and myself uh, going on and on about needing to or, or how this was going to supplant how video games were going to supplant actual sports. When it comes to professional gaming going into the future and with the younger generations. So this one's an opinion piece from Market Watch. All right. So not exactly um, the place you're going to go to. It's not exactly a, uh, a, a hot spot for video game news. But this is from this is an opinion piece. Pro gaming may soon eclipse sports, including basketball and baseball. This is from Market Watch. Now, I will say this before I get going. I can see this happening in some civilized nations with the new the next generation coming up, like South Korea, like possibly the United States, like certain places in Europe, certain nations. I do not see this taking place in South America, in Africa, in um, uh, most of the Asian nations, with the exception of, say, Korea. I don't even think China really would be will supplant other sports. The Caribbean, Central America, things like that. But I digress. From the article. 
Playing computer games is more than a pastime for some younger people. It's a career. A study by Unibet sheds new light on the phenomenon of eSports, as competitive gaming is called. Did you know that the League of Legends, which is a MOBA, drew in more viewers than the last game of the 2016 NBA Finals, 36 million to 31 million, or that the total eSports prize pool exceeds $93 million? All right. The reason why it pulled in more viewers is you can watch online anywhere in the world the League of Legends final. The NBA Finals, which is an American sport, an Americans championship, not worldwide, because video games aren't don't really have a nationality. You know, there's no Heroes of the Storm is an American-only game. It's not. The NBA is. I mean, other people, other nations watch it. It's not like the Super Bowl. When League of Legends exceeds the Super Bowl, come wake me up. And I know... I was watching the NBA Finals because that's when the Cavaliers completed history and beat the Warriors coming back three games to one. Funny they don't show the 2016 Game 7 World Series ratings because those were through the goddamn roof. I know because I was watching them as the Cubs were able to eke out a victory over the Cleveland Indians. As you can see, competitive gaming has become a serious business. Just how serious? Let's talk numbers. Esports viewership has been growing steadily from 76 million occasional and 56 million frequent viewers in 2012 to a staggering 194 million and 190 million, respectively, in 2017. Statista projection takes uh, those numbers even further, expecting them to rise to 286 million occasional and 303 million frequent viewers by 2020. To put this in perspective, male millennials in the U.S. already watch esports as much as they do baseball and ice hockey. Except nobody watches hockey. Along with the audience, the number of pro gamers has also been growing rapidly. In 2012, there was 4,200 of them. In 2016, there was 13,555. So we have the audience and the digital athletes. All we're missing now are prizes. And they are generous indeed. Winning a major golf tournament, such as the U.S. Open, can actually be less lucrative than winning the Dota 2 game. Uh, Dota 2 tournament. Each member of the Wings gaming team who won the international 2016 Dota 2 tournament went home with $1.83 million in prize money. The gamer with the most money earned is Sale Aurora, gaming nickname Universe a U.S. Dota 2 player who made $1.7 million in 2015. In comparison, Dustin Johnson was awarded $1.8 million for winning the U.S. Open, and Sergio Garcia, who just won the Masters, took home $2 million. Okay, but that also doesn't include all of their endorsements for winning, and this pales in comparison to what players in team sports make, especially baseball. From 2013 to 2016, the amount of money handed out across all esports games more than quadrupled from 21.4 million to 93 million. This year could breach the 150 million mark. A more than 100% fold increase from 2003. Countries with the biggest winnings in 2016 were China at 19 million, the US at 14.7, and South Korea at 11.9. If you're thinking about becoming a pro gamer, you may be interested in seeing which games rake in the most dough. Although Dota 2 overshadows all other games, 
Heroes of the Storm, and Hearthstone have breached the top 10 and are poised overthrow Counter-Strike by the turn of 2018. Companies taking notice. Such growth has attracted the attention of big companies like Coca-Cola and Red Bull, which not only sponsor but also worked in organizing their own events for gamers to compete in. Other prominent sponsors include Logitech International, Razer, and Intel Corp., which have been sponsoring such events for over 10 years. As it is with other sports, age plays a significant role in a player's success. Historically, 25 has been the most lucrative age for professional gamers. Beyond 25, there is a big drop-off in earnings potential, with ages 31 to 33 marking the leanest range for gamers age 15 and above. Hmm. College scholarships. So the next time you see your child playing computer games, think twice before saying it's a waste of time. Gaming could get your kid into college. On April 6th, the University of Utah announced it would be offering scholarships for League of Legends players following in the footsteps of the University of California, Irvine. So there you have it. Esports can no longer be ignored or belittled. Agreed. What do you think about esports? What do you think? Uh, would you support your child in becoming a pro gamer, etc.? Well, as we'll take that question last and we'll work our way back. As the father of a four-year-old who loves playing games, if I, and I have played enough games and came up, you know, with the actual pro uh, scene, you know, I, I broadcast a lot of the games back when this thing didn't even have a name. I know enough to know when a person has talent. I know enough to know when they're good at a game. If the Prince Imperial shows that he's got that kind of, of moxie, absolutely yes. I will support him in playing and being a professional gamer. Having said that, his ass is still going to play baseball. It's still going to play soccer. Maybe football if he has an interest. He's still going to play team sports. He's still going to go outside and run around and do all the other things that normal kids should do. And don't tell me, well, that's not normal. Don't say normal. What's normal? A normal kid is somebody who runs around outside playing games with other people. Riding a bike, throwing a ball, kicking a ball, things like that. Going into the woods, building forts, shit like that. And don't tell me that things are changing. It's a different generation. The kids would rather play on their iPads or on their video games and go outside. I understand that. I'm well aware of that fact. And it will not happen in my house. And I'm a big gamer. Have been since about my son's age. But as I've gotten older, I've also become very well aware that there is a difference between the two. That there has to be allowances made. That there has to also be made uh, limits. You have to have expectations. You can't spend 8, 10, 12 hours a day on your computer playing games and nothing else. Aside from the fact that it's not healthy for you, and that's a big part of it because it's not healthy for you. Do I think that esports has a future in the world? Absolutely. I've said that from the beginning. Now, do I think it's better than playing actual sports? Do I think it's harder to play video games than, than real sports? No, I don't. I think it's much more difficult to play to play actual sports and be a professional at that level than it is gaming. For the same reason we just mentioned, everybody, all these kids want to stay inside and play video games all day, every day. That's right, they do. Not all kids all over the place are going outside and playing. It's much more difficult to do that kind of thing. So absolutely, I believe that it's much more difficult. 
do I think that we'll ever see them making the contracts like baseball makes, where they're getting you know, two hundred and three hundred and four hundred million dollar contracts? Possibly. Look, and I, I I talked about this when you know taking on the uh, the women's hockey and the women's WNBA and all that. The salaries go where the money goes. If you have this many people tuning in to video games, and it keeps increasing the way they hope it's going to, and that draws in the sponsorship and the money, then, yeah, these people are going to make those kind of contracts. They're certainly going to be able to demand those kind of contracts. The salary goes where the money goes, and the money goes where the ratings goes, and that's, that's always been the case, and that hasn't changed. Bottom line, if people are tuning in and by record numbers into hundreds of millions of dollars, and I'll tell you what, another thing, a lot of it comes to, and we're going to see if this happens, because with the internet, things work a little differently than if you just flip on your television. You don't have to pay a premium to watch television, to watch the NBA Finals or the World Series or the Super Bowl. All that's paid for by television advertising revenue, okay? Going forward, that may, may not be the case. Because unlike television, which is consumed the way it is, playing online and watching stuff online requires bandwidth. It requires a lot more to do. And it's not as easy. So it may be more difficult from time to time. It may take more to watch uh, an episode. You may actually have to pay to tune in on Twitch or what have you to watch something. Which then begs the question, is it really worth it? Are you really going to tune in and pay $5, $15 to watch, you know, the finals of, of, you know, whatever? Maybe not. We'll see if that's actually the case, if that's actually what happens. I know I'm kind of looking down the road, and it is pretty far, and I understand that. But still, just the same. You never know. And I think that's what's one thing that's actually hurting sports in general. I'm talking the mainstream sports, like in baseball, is the fact that, or basketball, is that it's not that easy to consume the games watching online. It just isn't. You know, and they say, well, you can stream now on your phone or stream online. Yeah, but you know what? You get slammed for the bandwidth. You get slammed for the data. Who wants to do that? Not to mention it's buffering. It looks like shit. You don't know what kind of, of, of announcers are going to be you know, piped in there you know, doing the commentating. There's a lot of stuff that, is, that doesn't work online. And I think that that's actually been uh, the major league sports have really been behind uh, the curve when it comes to catching up and, and, and streaming online their stuff. They could do it a lot better than they have been, and that's on them. Whether that'll actually change, that's to be determined. But I'll tell you what, if eSports continues to make up ground, if they continue to be the wave of the future, what millennials would rather sit home and watch being their video game finals than sitting home and watching or going. And that's one thing, too. Part of the allure of, of actual sports is going to a stadium, going to an arena. And yes, I understand you can still do that. That they still have finals in, in you know... Uh, you know, Staples uh, Center or whatever in L.A. But those are few and far between. 
There are 81 home games for the Cleveland Indians, 81 home games for any Major League Baseball team. There are eight home games for bas- for uh, football. There's 41 home games for basketball, etc. There are plenty of opportunities to go and watch. Having one of these, these you know, in-the-stadium type events, uh, those are few and far between. It's a big deal when it happens. It only usually happens on the coasts. I think there are some things, and we've talked about this, especially when Blizzard uh, was talking about getting into... Um, when Blizzard was talking about get, as my microphone dies, <laughs> hang on. Oh, this damn thing. Part of the problem is the microphone's a lot heavier than that these normally are. And that I think these things were designed for. Nope, starting to lean again. Damn it! All right, now I have to turn. I have to turn completely on its side just so I can actually talk without it falling. I think when it's all said and done, you're going to have to see esports adopt some things that real sports do. And I think one of those is going to be that they're going to have to figure out how to make the live, um, the live entertainment, the live interaction work. And I know there's a lot of people out there who don't believe that this is necessary to make esports viable. And I understand why. And the idea is how we consume our entertainment, how we consume our sports, whether they be electronic or real, is different. And that millennials and those even coming up like my son's generation may not care. They may not want to go and spend, you know, an afternoon for three or four hours, 35,000 of their closest friends, you know, screaming their heads off of their favorite player or team. And I think I think that may change. But I also think that the comparison from showing American sports versus, uh, you know, the stuff online. Well, there's 96 million people that watched online versus 80 million that worked in the United States because you're comparing the entire world versus one country and you're comparing American sports. Versus an online game that has no nationality. And that's the thing. That's the key difference to me. And that's what bugs me is you can't compare the two. If you're going to compare that, then compare the World Cup and soccer. Let's see how those do. Let's see how those ratings are worldwide compared to, you know, the esports. Before we start getting, uh, you know, the metaphors and the anecdotes and whatever start really getting out of hand, and they are, comparing those two. I think they respect their false equivalency. Apples and oranges you're trying to compare and, and, and mash together. And it doesn't work that way. And it's not going to. Baseball is very, very quickly becoming, it is already, but very quickly becoming the national sport. Soccer remains number one. So look at the World Cup and compare that. Don't take the NBA Finals and somehow you know, expect that to be you know, the 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 one all and versus everything else. You can't take one game and one event as huge as it was. Not to mention, not everybody is a basketball fan. I can't stand basketball. Oh, I follow it because it's Cleveland and because the Cavaliers are in the finals and all that. I don't give a shit about basketball. 
The only sport that I will follow, whether my team is involved or not, is baseball. And that's me. And a lot of people have the same way. Basketball has turned off a lot of people with the way they market it and the way they, they go around about it. And we had that discussion, too. Basketball is all about uh, advertising the individual player and a select handful of teams. The Bulls, the Lakers, the Celtics. Now, because they're good, the Warriors. The Heat. They don't give a shit about the rest of them. They wouldn't give two fucks about Cleveland if LeBron James and Kyrie Irving didn't play here and if we didn't win a championship. They would not care because Cleveland isn't a big enough market. And it's not sexy to wear a Cavaliers jersey. One thing that also has to happen in esports is there has to be some stability between teams. You can't have teams folding and dropping out right before a tournament starts because it happens all the time. Or people leaving and joining something else all the fucking time. It needs to stop. There needs to be some kind of longevity with it, and there isn't. And that's part of the problem, too. So they need to figure out exactly how that's going to work. And they also have to figure out how their teams are going to be made. Are they going to be based on location? Are they going to be based on sponsorships? Are they going to be based on the companies that pay their salaries? What is all that going to include? There's a lot that's going to go into it. And, and, and keep in mind, I understand that. And, and all this is going to come out in the wash. This is all growing pains that this is going to you know, figure out as it goes on. Nothing like what is being attempted with esports has ever been done before. If you want to try and compare it to professional sports, you have to go back 100 and some years before you can start at the beginning of basketball and baseball especially, and football to a lesser degree. I do think esports has a future. I do think, I don't know if it is the future. It very well may be. Because sports, or esports, is much more accessible to a lot of people. Because you don't have to have any kind of athletic ability to go out in there and play. All you got to do is be able to buy the game, play it a few times, and all of a sudden, you can at least make a connection to the people you're playing. Baseball's a little differently. Unless you've gone out and played baseball or softball, for a lot of people, it's kind of difficult to make the connection. I can see why why Hearthstone's become popular. It's a card game. Now, granted, there's a lot of strategy that goes into it. There's a lot of thought. There's a lot of, of, uh, um, I was about to say, I don't know if that really applies, but theory crafting. A lot goes into it. There's a lot, you know, that really attracts people to the game. It's simplistic to learn. But at the same time, gives a lot of complexity to how you build your decks, what were what cards work in in uh, tandem and synchronization, and again. But it's easy for people to get to. They can play on their phones. You can't do that with baseball. You got to have a glove. You got to have a bat. Basketball probably the easiest. That and soccer easy to get to. Soccer all you need is a ball. You can get anything to be a goal. Basketball all you need is a ball and a hoop. but you still need somewhere to go. You still need to be outside. With gaming, 
well, now keep in mind, it isn't accessible to everybody because for a lot of these games, you have to have a pretty nice rig, which is not cheap. Or you have to spend a lot of money on these consoles, which isn't cheap. And 60 bucks a game. Or you got to pay by the month. I absolutely believe that it has a future. Now, what that's going to look like when it's all said and done, I don't know. And I'm a little bitter in a way because I was, I was a little early. I figure I'm about 10, 15 years early with everything that's coming down the pipe now. And I guess I was kind of in the wild, wild west of it all. When gaming was just getting going, when you had professionals, when you had people being paid to play, and being able to broadcast those games and call them for Warcraft 3 and Counter-Strike and the rest. I made other choices in life. I went a different direction. And I think that's a reason why a lot of 30-somethings don't last in esports. Because there is still a stigma attached to it. Make no mistake. If you're 30-some years old, you shouldn't be playing video games. You should have a job. A career. Something. You should have a house. You should have kids. You should have goals. You should have a future. And professional gaming, especially since it's not a foregone thing, that doesn't exist yet. It will. At some point. It just isn't there yet. But give it time. Now, at the same time, while I believe it can actually, you know, work its way uh, through this, figure itself out, at the same time, there is still plenty of opportunity for this to implode. Plenty of opportunity for people who don't know what they're doing to try and mold it, get their hands in it, and still fuck it up. That's why I like the idea of, of these basketball, you know, companies and basketball teams like the Spurs, like the Kings, like the 76ers, getting their hands in it early because these are people who already do sports. They already have a general idea what's going to work and what isn't. And that's important because they're going to have a way to help shape it. Now, I'm not saying that the owner of the 76ers or the owner of the Spurs or or the Kings or whatever or or Shaquille O'Neal actually knows what they're talking about when it comes to games. I don't. Maybe they do. I'm not convinced. But they do understand marketing. They do understand sports. And all that entails. And I think that can only help try to uh, nudge things, try to help, trying to think of what the right word would be, help craft and direct what that future is going to be. And try to help esports find its own. The other thing is longevity, folks. And I know I talked about this again when it came to Blizzard with them looking to do a Heroes of the Storm franchising around the nation. It's longevity. I've been a baseball fan my entire life. And barring Major League Baseball and the Cleveland Indians fucking it up, I probably will be the rest of my days, as will my kids. One of them already is. If people are dropping off in their 30s when it comes to professional gaming and things like that, then it is certainly possible 
that once they get out of that stage of their 20s, early 20s, what have you, they're no longer fans. They're no longer paying attention to sport. They've moved on to other things in, in life. That doesn't bode well for the sport because then you have to continually have a stream of new blood coming in to keep it afloat. And that's just not viable. It isn't going to work. I am very curious to see how things will go. And I know I've gotten more of an education into it because I don't follow the pro scene. I really don't. I don't care. I don't play fantasy esports. I don't play fantasy League of Legends. I, I don't give a shit. I know enough that these teams are constantly uh, opening and folding and swapping players left to right. And you've got these managers of teams that are in their 20s who clearly don't know what the fuck they're doing when it comes to managing a team. It can't be as simple as sitting down in front of your computer and playing the same game four, five, six, eight, ten hours a day. It isn't. There's more that goes into managing a team. They're people, not robots. I have faith, though. I think they'll be able to do it. I think that when it's all said and done, it's going to be an interesting product. And I think the next probably six, seven, eight years are really going to be the defining time period for this particular sport or kind of sport. And I think once the formula is down, and that's another thing that's going to have to change, is how it's done for each individual game because they're not all the same. A first-person shooter is different than an RTS, which is different than a card game, which is very different than a MOBA. You get the idea. But I think once the general formula is in place, you'll be able to turn around and then impart that to other games. All right, that's enough on that. I, I it's something I kind of wish I had more of a panel to kind of go over and discuss, you know, a, a Hawkeye, a Voyeur, stuff like that. Obviously, as difficult as it is to try and get people together for that, especially on a Sunday. I know we've talked about kind of moving it to a different day to try and make that a little easier. And I'm sure we'll look into that now, especially with my, my own schedule lightening up and changing in the next few weeks. And that's something we'll go ahead and look at again. But it's an exciting time, not only as a player, not only as a viewer, but also as a broadcaster. And somebody actually had an article, and I had it, and I deleted it, and I haven't been able to find it, that kind of went on about this, and I know we've mentioned it in passing, where the person doing the streaming, like on Twitch or whatever, has become more interesting or more important than the game they're actually broadcasting. And that's an interesting dynamic that you are tuning in more for the person playing the game than the game they're playing. In basketball, I guess that's to a point. Golf more so. You figure out the Tiger Woods effect. People tune in to watch Tiger play because it was Tiger Woods, the greatest in the world, this guy who's you know this and that, and he's young, he's beating all these records, and 
course, he flamed out, and he ended up not beating any of the records that really mattered, and he probably never will the way he's going. In fact, he's not even really technically in golf at the moment. And maybe you'll have that in certain games. But most of these are team-based. Here's this. All these MOBAs are team-based. Most shooters are team-based. The day of the of the you know single-player deathmatch has kind of gone by the wayside. Now, everything's cyclical. It may come back at some point. It isn't right now. So there you have it. That was the big thing this week that I wanted to get to. I did have a couple of ones. I don't have time to get to them today. Uh, if you want to take a look at the articles on Market Watch, go ahead and give it a ring or give it a, a read. Tell me what you think. All right, folks. Uh, I want to thank uh, No Wise for going ahead and uh, hosting us. Our appreciation to him and AppleToRadio.com. I want to thank uh, Scrubbuggy for keeping our Facebook running. I want to thank you, listeners, for tuning in. If it was not for you, we would not be doing this. I want to thank our patrons, whose good money is able to keep us on the air every single week. So please help them, or uh, give them props. If you'd like to help out the show, join us at P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com, Patreon.com. Become a paying member of our Patreon page and get access to all kinds of stuff, uh, all kinds of bonus uh, content. I just posted a 40-minute uh, audio yesterday, actually, for our patrons with another one I have coming up early next week. I already have it in the can and ready to go. Uh, join us and follow us on Facebook and on Twitter at Emperor's Court for both. As always, you can send me an email at emperor1g at cox.net. All this and more, folks. I will see you again next week. Uh, again, probably a podcast show. So download and enjoy at your leisure. Uh, bad manners are better than no manners at all. So long, everybody. It was pretty terrible.